Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Brian. And we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. We hope you're enjoying this episode. You know, it's our goal to make this podcast useful to you. So if you find it valuable, we want you to consider supporting the Bible Bistro financially. You know, there's a cost associated with this podcast, and your support will help us to continue this mission. If you'd like to help, we have set up a Patreon account where you can contribute at any level. Maybe you just want to give us a few bucks a month and buy us a cup of coffee. Or if you support us at $15 or above, you can receive some of our personalized items, like the Bible Bistro coffee mug. Trust me, you're really going to want one of those. Absolutely. You just got to go to our website or in the show notes and click on the Patreon link. And thank you so much. We appreciate our loyal listeners. Welcome back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. I'm Ryan. Hey, and I'm Brian. And this is the Bible Bistro. Yeah. The Wednesday a, edition. Right. A little late. I'm not 100% yet either, too. So I'll yeah. go ahead and apologize for my throat and my... Brian's a little down, and it's <laughs> Wednesday, not our typical Tuesday, but... We don't know what we're doing. We Well... <laughs> we're a whole day off. We're a whole day off. <laughs> Things are messed up. Well, you know, as you may not know... While we do release this weekly, this is not our full-time jobs. And so sometimes... <laughs> stuff happens. Stuff happens. And we, we get behind. And so anyway, yeah. but what, what we're here... So our it's, apologies. It's I, know, I know for some of you, it's thrown off your entire week. You, some of you, you had... walk and listen. <laughs> your whole some of you, it's on. first thing Tuesday morning. So We are... Our deepest apologies. Well, as, we'll, we'll, as deep as I can feel apologetic for being <laughs> 24 hours off on a podcast. All right. Anyway, well, we're back. We yeah. are starting a new series. New series. You're, and and we're you're calling the one who came it, up with this idea. Well, we, so yeah. we talk, we're, this series is all about the one chapter books of the right. Old Testament. Is that right? Well, of the, oh, the, of oh, the, the Bible. Because Bible, yes. the other ways, it'd be a very short, short series. Yes. <laughs> but one chapter uh, books of the Bible. And so right. we, it's kind of like the one hit wonders. And then that reminded me of a very uh, popular movie back in the day called That Thing You Do, starring Tom right. Hanks. Tom Hanks. And Mr. it was about this band called the one hit wonders. Now, but in the early days, they spelled their name Wonders... O N E D E R S. That's clever. Wonders. Yeah. Like the wonders. wonders. But, but people called them the Oneeders because they didn't know <laughs> it was supposed to say wonders. So it said Oneeders. Well, you know, so, it's, so these are, this is the Oneeders. The Oneeders. That's the name of the series. That's what this, we're doing. Yes. Yeah, okay. So you're going to see the title is O N E D E R S. And it's intentionally like that. It's, it's we Shake, know how to spell, but it is. My, Shaking my head. Oh, your linguistic head. Oh, that doesn't fall within my language. Well, here's the funny thing about this. I've seen people do sermon series on these before. I've never done this. You, you're, you're the one who came up with this idea, and it's a good idea. I, I like Second Third John a lot. <laughs> I'm just a Jude. If you watch that on YouTube, he kind of shrugged his shrugged the shoulders. It's a good idea. Yeah. So, sure. Well, the funny thing is, I really don't have anything in common, right? Other than <laughs> they just happen to be one chapter books. Yes. One of them is in the Old Testament. The other four New Testament books, right? Yes. There's five of them total. So, 
One of the only well, it's just it's just it, it's going to be chaos. It's pure chaos. We'll we'll see what happens with it though. Welcome so, to the Bible Bistro. <laughs> pure chaos. So Obadiah is what we're going to talk about today. Yes. And uh, so, someday I'd really like to do. A, I, I've done uh, Sunday school classes on the minor prophets, and and I really I do enjoy the minor prophets. So Obadiah is one of one of those. What we call them the uh, minor prophets. What the uh, uh, Hebrew. People would have called the, the the Jewish people would have called the twelve the book of the twelve, mm-hmm. uh, which are these twelve prophets that they looked at as one scroll. But Obadiah is very short, just one chapter, uh, a very specific prophecy, and uh, and that's what we're going to talk about today. It's the only it's the only Old Testament book that has one chapter in it, and then there's four New Testament books that we'll be looking at over the next several weeks. A couple of them I've actually really studied a lot. This one, not so much. <laughs> well, I have. I've done, I, like I said, I've done classes on the minor prophets, yeah. so I, I know a little bit you about it. You know a so. little bit about it. Yeah, well, I'm in my my uh, little travel Bible here, and it yeah. covers basically a page and a half. A, pa- so. a page and a half, yeah. In, in the New Testament books, the, the interesting thing about like Second, and 3 John, they're about the length of a typical letter from the first century. But, uh, you know, Obadiah, it's a little different because it was, again, it was included in the scroll and, mm-hmm. and they didn't really uh, use papyrus in that same way, I don't think. Most of the books were written on uh, animal skin, but that's a whole different. We'll, we'll talk about that <laughs> another day. Another topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the name Obadiah is interesting because you're going to find it other places in the Old Testament, but it's almost certainly there. There are some people who try to connect this with an Obadiah during the time of Elijah's ministry, during the time of Ahab, King Ahab. Almost certainly not the same guy. There was a, an official of of Ahab that's name was Obadiah. But um, the name Obadiah seems to have been a pretty common name. What it means is servant of, of Yahweh, uh, servant of God or servant of the Lord, I guess we would say. Uh, and, and so that's, that's, you know, kind of a common name. There's several different people who are named in genealogies. And, and again, the, the most, um, uh, lengthy person we have talked about as Obadiah is in first Kings, uh, or Second Kings, First King. I don't kings, know. Just say one kings. of the kings. Yeah, one of the kings. <laughs> it was all one scroll anyway, originally. That's right. But anyway, it, it, you know, the other interesting thing about Obadiah is we're not exactly sure when to date it. Okay. Uh, be- before we dive into it, I'll just tell you a little bit about what what happens here. Is it's talking about Edom. The, the nation of Edom, and it's really a judgment against Edom. We'll get more into that in a little bit. We've we're talking about some of that. Um, you've you've visited some places that are that are connected with Edom, um, but the the other issue is it's talking about a time when Edom did not come to Judah's help or, or Judah's aid when it was attacked and when it was sacked. Um, or Jacob is the way it's, it's used. Uh, kind of, it, it, they didn't come to Edom, did not come to Israel's aid. Let's say, let's go ahead and put it that way. So, some people want to date this connected with Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, you, you guys, you'll remember five eighty six, five hundred eighty seven. Jerusalem was destroyed. Judah was mm-hmm. destroyed by the Babylonians. Uh, they came in and just and so some people want to connect it that late, five eighty six. And I'd say that's the latest possible it could be. Um, however, it doesn't seem to be describing that kind of destruction. Instead, it seems to be describing a time when um, 
some people came in and took things from Judah, but didn't necessarily, or from Jerusalem, didn't necessarily destroy it. Um, the other thing is, it mentions late, late in the book. We'll see uh, down around uh, late. It's a very short book, right? I mean, that's the whole point of this. Um, four, four verses later. <laughs> no, it's down down around fifteen, sixteen. I can't remember exactly where it mentions Ephraim. We'll see this when we get to it. And Ephraim, of course, is a way to refer to the Northern Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Well, the northern kingdom was destroyed in 722 BC. As everybody by the Assyrian, right? by the Assyrians, by the Assyrians. And everybody so, knows this, of course. <laughs> so it has to be somewhere between the divided monarchy mm-hmm. uh, and 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 I think before Ephraim's fall. So I tend to date it earlier. Most okay. people who who dated that period of time dated around 850 something like that BC, and they connect it with a time when the Philistines came in and sacked Jerusalem. So it wasn't a series of a destruction. It's what we had with Babylon. That's probably what we're referring to. But the interesting thing is this prophecy is not against the Philistines. It's not against those who did the sacking. It's actually against Edom and their mm-hmm. failure to help, uh, as, as Obadiah says here, their brother. You know, they, they failed to do what was necessary in, in helping uh, in this way. So that's kind of the, the context. I, I'm gonna, I take an earlier date, 854. Like I said, you could go as late as, as 586, but really I think if Ephraim, if this is a real reference to Ephraim, it has to be before um, 722. So somewhere between 922, 722 in that, in that range, those 200 years or so. So for all dudes that are got your calendars out and putting this on the calendar. Now that everybody's asleep. Um, so, so go ahead and read uh, verses 1 and 2. This is just this kind of um, judgment. Basically, God is saying, I'm bringing all of the nations against Edom. So go ahead and read uh, Obadiah 1 and 2. Uh, the vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations. Rise up, let us rise against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be utterly despised. So this idea of being made small, God's saying, I'm bringing all the nations against you. And one of the things we're going to find then in this next section is a detailing of Edom's pride. Uh, and basically, that's what God seems to have against Edom is you're you're very proud. Uh, you you didn't come to the aid of of. Uh, my people, God would say, you know, in this in this uh, situation. In fact, it, they're described as kind of gloating and being happy that Jerusalem was sacked and participating, even to a certain extent, by uh, catching people who are escaping from Jerusalem and sending them back. And so, so their pride is is kind of the issue. And so, there are five areas here that are going to be listed of Edom's pride and. And there again, where God says, I'm bringing all the nations, I'm going to bring you low. He's going to talk about how he's going to basically deflate this pride uh, that Edom has. So this will give us a chance to talk a little bit about the nation of Edom and uh, and some of the things uh, related to it. Um, I'll go ahead and say now, Edom is, is people who are descended from... You, you remember this Esau, right? Yep. So you you have Jacob and Esau, twins of Isaac and Rebekah, and uh, Jacob, of course, becomes the become his name's changed to Israel, and so he becomes the the father of the tribes, the sons of Israel, and then uh, Esau, on the other hand, takes land down to the south. Uh, his other name is Edom, and it said it's because he was very hairy and red. He was red-colored when he was born. But it also is a, a reference 
to the the countryside as well. And I'll let you say a little bit about that in, in, in just a minute. But go ahead and look at the first area where they will be humbled, verses 3 and 4. Yeah. The, uh, I was going to read it. Go, I'll read this oh, one. Oh, no, you, you can read go for it. One. Yeah, go get a tiger. <laughs> I don't want to take it away from you if you want no, to read it. No, no, no. Okay. The pride of your heart. So there you see the idea of pride. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rocks. I'll come back to that in a minute. And make your home on the heights. Who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? So the first area of their pride was that they had a natural... Uh, military advantage because of the geography of the area of Edom. Uh, so Edom, there's cliffs there. There's, uh, and I'll let you say more about this. There's valleys and fissures and stuff. This gave them natural places to kind of hide and natural places uh, for them to be protected militarily. So they're saying basically, hey, we have pride because you can't defeat us militarily because we have this um, this area, this geography. Yeah. So when I was in uh, Jordan, we went to Petra, which uh, the Edomites did possess it at one point. Now, we didn't explore, and I mean, it is, these are the things like from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, you see carved in the rock. Right. Those buildings that are carved into the rock in in, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, if you'll remember that. Go ahead. That's Petra. (laughs) And so, um, you know, you go through there and they had carved places to live in the rocks. And there was, it was not an easily accessible place. Now, the place that, you know, the the main path that we came in um, and some of the, you know, we didn't explore all the paths, but I mean, it was a pretty narrow passageway that you had to get into this main kind of thoroughfare into Petra. And then it wasn't still just like, oh, easy walking around. You had a lot of going up and down and it was like narrow paths. And so like as a military Think like I would yeah. think like you got a natural choke point of these exactly. mountains around you, like no one's moving an army straight in there through you. You've got it, an easy way to to hold them back. It's sandstone, right? It's this it's this red sandstone cliffs. Is yeah, what we I mean have. it's cl- it's high cliffs right. on both sides, and so at one point we we went to the highest like some of the highest points and you could see all around yeah. around you. I mean you were yeah. above everything around you, but you know we're right there in Jordan and it's like, oh, there's just, you know, there's the regular flat stuff. And then to get to Petra, you had to go through this, this narrow valley, narrow yeah. valley yeah. walled uh, cavern area. And yeah. so, yeah, it was definitely interesting, but they lived in the rocks. Well, that's interesting. That, you see, that gives us a sense of, of what's talked about here. Their, their pride was that, hey, we're in this impregnable place. You know, this geography is, is impossible for some other army to come take us. And God's saying, no, I'm gathering the armies against you. And, and ultimately, the, the prophecy is Edom is going to be defeated. I do want to make clear, when we talk about Petra, though, that's a later That's a later, right? Yeah, that was one of the places they were. But, it, but it's that kind of, you know, that kind of using the geography of the of the the rocks and, and being able to hide in the caves and the and mm-hmm. the narrow valleys and that kind of thing is what's being they talked about. They gravitated towards that kind of place. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It, it's kind of, I'm trying to think, is this, I was trying to think, no, 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 that's a different place. I was, I was trying to make another, uh, I was trying to make the, bring in Star Wars there, but that's a different area, isn't it? Wadi Rum, yes. Yeah, so my apologies. But anyway, verses five and six, then, if you want to read that. Yes, five and six. Are you sure? Are you okay yeah. with me? Read no, you read it. You okay. Read it. If these came to you, if plunders came by night, how you have been uh, how you have been destroyed? Would they not steal only enough for themselves? If grape gatherers grape gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleanings? 
how Esau has been pillaged, his treasures sought out. So a couple of things that are interesting here. First is, you notice Esau is, is another way to poetically, uh, prophetically yeah. talk about this nation. The descendants of Esau are here in, in Edom. It talks about their plunder of their treasure as well. And another source of pride for Edom was that they controlled a major trade route uh, from north to south through this land. Again, it's it's there's only so many ways you can go. Mm-hmm. And so if you control the trade route, then you're going to be able to make taxes. You're going to be able to trade for the things that are being brought from Africa up to the north. And so that was a source of their pride. There were also copper and, and iron mines in this area. And so part of their wealth and part of the treasure is that. So this idea of being plundered is the idea. So the pride that they took in their wealth uh, is going to be taken away as well. Uh, go ahead with verse 7 then. Read verse 7. Yeah. All your allies have driven you to your border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. They have prevailed against you. Those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. <laughs> so this idea of your friends and your your uh, those who eat eat bread with you talk about this idea of treaties or alliances. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was, again, a strategic area for people to travel through and lots of nations around it. So it was necessary to have alliances with all these various nations. But here the prophecy is, yeah, you, you've been betrayed. You've been... These things uh, you put your security in. Exactly. These people you put your security in are going to turn on you. They're going to turn on you, and, and that's how that's how you're going to be defeated. So they took pride in their alliance with these other nations. Uh, this idea, you have no understanding. And then verse 8, it says, In that day, declares the Lord, will I not destroy the wise men of Edom, those of understanding in the mountains of Esau? So their pride in their wisdom here, in their basically saying, we, we, we've got a better grasp on things than most other people. He's saying, that's not going to be able to save you. And then finally, in verse 9, your warriors, Teman, will be terrified, and everyone in Esau's mountains will be cut down in slaughter. So the pride of their military strength, all of these various things, these five different areas that they took pride in, basically, systematically, through Obadiah, God is saying that these nations are going to are going to uh, take that away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what we have so far here in those areas. Those areas of pride. The next thing we have, if you just read verse ten here of Obadiah, this begins the section we talk about the reasons then that God is bringing judgment on Esau. Yeah, because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. We see that reference there to the brother. You know, we to get Jacob. back to, the, to Jacob and Esau. Exactly. You know that yeah. this is so. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just that we we also see this, and I think we're not going to talk about this, but this references to Romans and some other things that are said sure. about Jacob and Esau, and you know that they're Jacob and Esau also become representatives of nations in, exactly. in some regard. But this is yeah, these Edom is the brother to yeah. to, to Israel. Yeah, so Israel and, and East, yeah, Israel and Edom. Of course, Jacob becomes Israel. I mean, yeah, that, that, his name Esau is changed becomes, when he yeah, wrestles yeah. with God. And then, yeah, Esau's other name is Edom. So, so the, this kind of wrestling, or you might remember even Rebecca, God uh, uh, prophesied that there are two nations at war within your womb, you know, yeah. when she's saying, what's going on? And uh, there's this idea of the separation that's always going to take place between them. They're, there's always going to be kind of this fight. I, I've got a really interesting reference. I'm going to hold off on. On it uh, for just a little bit later, but but anyway, this idea of the violence that you've done. Now, I have I didn't tell you to get this ahead of time, but go back to Numbers chapter twenty if you if you can turn to that really quickly. Yeah, verses fourteen through twenty one. This is talking about when Israel 
was um, released from um, Egyptian captivity. You might remember after the whole idea of the plagues and God rescues them in the in the Exodus, as they're traveling up through the wilderness led by Moses, um, Moses appeals to the king of Edom to let the Israelites travel through his nation. And that's what we have here in verses 14 through 21. Go ahead and just read that. He appeals to him twice. It's very interesting. 14 through 21 here? Yeah. Yep. Moses sent messengers from Kadesh to the king of Edom. Thus says your brother Israel, you know all the hardship that we have met, how our fathers went down to Egypt and we lived in Egypt a long time. And the Egyptians dealt harshly with us and our fathers. And when we cried to the Lord, he heard our voice and sent an angel and brought us out of Egypt. And here we are in Kadesh, a city on the edge of your territory. Please let us pass through your, your land. We will not pass through field or vineyard or drink water from a well. We will go along the king's highway. We will not turn aside to the right hand or to the left until we have passed through your territory. But- so so the whole point, I'll just say here, the whole point is we just all we want to do is pass through. We're not going to pillage. We're not going to take any crops or anything that don't belong to us. All we're asking to do is pass through. Let us use the road. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But Edom said to him, you shall not pass through, lest I come out with the sword against you. And the people of Israel said to him, we will go up by the highway, and if we drink of your water, I and my livestock, then I will pay for it. Let me only pass through on foot, nothing more. But he said, you shall not pass through. And Edom came out against them with a large army and with a strong force. Thus Edom refused to give Israel passage through his territory, so Israel turned away from him. So you see this idea of military response. Basically, they're, they're right. immediately saying, no, you're not going to pass through our land. And this caused them to have to go around, and it, it caused difficulties for them. And, and so there, there was said from the beginning that God was going to bring judgment on Edom because of this this failure. Basically, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing in this culture to, to not show hospitality. And, and here, Moses appeals to your brother. You know, we're your brother, (laughs) Jacob, you know, and you're not even you're not even showing kindness to us. We have a common ancestor is is what he's appealing to here. And and so I think the violence has to do with that. Now, also, we said earlier when the Philistines, if we take this as the earlier date, when the Philistines uh, were sacking Jerusalem, the other image we get here is that Edom helped them with that. Um, but I think this violence goes back to this, and, and even we could say earlier, because you might remember that Esau said to Jacob, uh, you know, after <laughs> Jacob tricked him, you'll remember that whole story, that that he was going to kill him. And, and so even, the, I'm talking about the person here now, Esau, it goes back, that violence goes back to there, and then it continues. Uh, we see it lived out in these nations as well. Uh, verse 11 in Obadiah, I'll go ahead and read, says that they didn't come to their aid. On that day you stood aloof while strangers carried off his wealth, talking about Jacob, and foreigners entered his gate and cast lots for Jerusalem, and were like, and you were like one of them. In other words, you didn't side with uh, Jacob. Instead, you, you sided uh, with the enemies. And then verse 12 says, you, you should not gloat over your brother in the day of his misfortune, nor rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor boast so much in the day of their trouble. So the other thing God has against them is this idea of, um, you know, that they're, they're gloating when they should be coming to the aid of, of Jacob. Go ahead and read the next two verses there. And it talks about, uh, you know, basically, again, kind of rounding up yeah. the, the people. 
Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of the calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off his fugitives. Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. So this is all describing what God has against Edom for for what they've done. So we've seen that there's this announcement, verse first two verses of Obadiah, there's this announcement the destruction's coming. Here's the pride that, that Edom has shown, that, that uh, this nation has shown. And then here are the things that they've done. Here's the reason that God is bringing the judgment. That's where we are so far. So now we have two more kind of sections here to Obadiah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot going on here for a relatively yeah. short book. Um, there's a couple of other interesting things. Did you notice that idea of casting lots, uh, which kind of calls to mind a couple things perhaps, and, and I'm going to try to make tie, tie this into some other um, lessons here. Okay. Uh, but I'll go, I guess I'll go ahead and mention this now. Obadiah is one of the books in the Old Testament that is never quoted in the New Testament, at least explicitly quoted hmm. in, the, in the New Testament. There are a few of them. Uh, you know, there are some that are quoted frequently. There are some that are never quoted, and Obadiah is one of those that's never quoted. Now, it is cited later. Uh, there's references to it in, Jeru- in uh, Jeremiah and also in the prophet Joel. Both of them make references back to Obadiah, and especially Joel. You may know that the main theme of Joel is we're getting ready to come to it right now is the day of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, Obadiah, again, and I didn't mention this. I should have said this <laughs> at the very beginning. Now I remember. If this is 854, so 850, when this is written, uh, this is one of the earliest writing prophets that we have then. And so this idea okay. of the day of the Lord, as we see it reflected in later um, like Joel and other other later authors, has its origins here in Obadiah. And, and we'll say a little bit more about that. But go ahead and read verses 15 and 16, then it talks about this day of the Lord that is coming. Yeah. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deed shall return on your own head. For as you have... For you, as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow, and shall be as though they had never been. Okay, so, so this idea that you you came in and you drank on my holy hill, talking about Jerusalem, and now the nations are going to drink and drink and and basically uh, consume Perish. you. Yeah, yeah, what's that? Perish. Yeah, yeah, you guys are going to perish. So, so the idea of the day of the Lord here is is an interesting one. And the day of the Lord talks about a day of calamity. Basically, it's a so. I, I had thought of this until saying this in, until just now, and I think this will make some sense. We'll see. Um, but you know, I say it's one of the continual questions we see throughout Scripture of how long, O Lord, faithful and true, until you avenge our blood. Right. Yep. Yep. When are when are you going to do something about the evil that we see around us? We see it in Habakkuk. We see it in the Psalms. Uh, of course, the Book of Revelation has this: that God's people are continually crying out for justice. When will justice be done? And and you know, there's this always kind of this idea of delay. Uh, it's going to happen, but it's going to happen in an unexpected way. That's the message that Habakkuk has, for example. And here, the idea is that the day of the Lord is the day that that judgment will come. It's kind of the, I guess I'm saying that's the opposite of that, when are you going to do this, O Lord? How long? And then when the day of the Lord comes, this is this is what happens. Now, when I was growing up, day of the Lord, you thought of as 
judgment day. You know, we would use right. that kind of phrase. But it seems like in Scripture that there are several, quote unquote, days of the Lord. <laughs> mm-hmm. In other words, it's any time where God's judgment becomes a reality upon the, the nation or, or upon the people that are being called to judgment. So here, in this case, it is uh, Edom, right? And, and they have um, gotten God's wrath because of their failure to help their brother. Uh, in their time of need, uh, and in fact, have worked worked against their brother in their time of need, and therefore God's wrath is coming on them. And so that warning of the day of the Lord is a reference to that. <laughs> later, okay. I think later when we see this idea of the day of the Lord again in Joel and in other places, I think it's that same same kind of an image. Okay. Any other cool. questions on that? Or no, I, I just I never you know I always think <clears throat> kind of how we think about day of the Lord as uh-huh. the future end. But like right. day of the Lord is more about when judgment falls can be also when this judgment falls on Edom. That's the day of the Lord as well. Exactly. And you can see why that it fits with the future as well when we're talking about a day when God's judgment, ultimate judgment will be done. Right. But these other days of the Lord, we could say <laughs> we could say it this way, when the day of the Lord comes, like on Edom and other things, it's a reminder that God will bring his judgment. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, a foresh- <laughs> it's a foreshadow of the yeah. ultimate day of the Lord. And think about it on both sides. Like think about it from from the Christian's perspective, or the the perspective of God's people. To you know, keep keep point, it with yeah. the Old Testament, right? Um, is, is they're crying out, God, when are you going to avenge our blood? When are when are you going? You know, Edom, look at what Edom did to us. When are you going to? When is justice going to be done? And and God says, you know, that it will happen in, in due time, and then the day of the Lord comes. And so it's it's a it's a sense of justice uh, for the for the believer, but for the person who is receiving that judgment, uh, it, it's also this idea that uh, uh, wickedness is not allowed to to continue <laughs> unabated. Right that, mm-hmm. that that there does come a time when there is punishment for. Uh, wicked deeds and and for wickedness and that's that's what I think is 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 happening here. Uh, so you get what I'm saying is God's yeah. wrath shown in, in in that as well. So go ahead with these last uh, few verses. Then we'll we'll finish on Obadiah 17 through 21. If you want to read yeah. uh, those, or at least actually read 17 and 18 first, and then we'll do 19. But in Mount Zion there shall be those who escape, and it shall be holy. And the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau stubble. They shall burn them and consume them, and there shall be no survivor of the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. So (laughs) not only is this judgment on Edom, but there's also now this last section is a promise for God's people. And so here's, you know, the way we often think of prophecy, we're thinking about it in in future terms. Uh, We think about it, you know, in terms of, of what, what God is doing in the, in the long run. And this is where, where he's saying that I will bring, how did your version say? Are you reading the ESV today? Is that what you're I'm reading? I'm reading the CSV today. CSV, okay. Oh, no, wait, this is ESV, I think. ESV, yeah. that's what I was thinking. So so read, read verse 17 again, but on Mount Zion. Yeah, but in Mount Zion, there shall be those who escape. Escape, and, okay. And it shall be holy. So the NIV here says deliverance. There will be deliverance. Mm-hmm. Same same idea, but but deliverance carries with it that idea of salvation, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so this idea of salvation or deliverance uh, escaping happening on on Mount Zion. 
uh, even though it might seem that God's people are in difficult situation at the moment, the promise here is in the long run that they will be delivered, uh, and it will be holy. Right is is mm-hmm. is the the thing that it says. Jacob will finally get its inheritance, uh, and like you said, Esau will be stumbled. They'll be burned up, and so again, things are going to reverse. Things are not going to always be uh, the, way the way that they it are. might seem. Yep. So then it says it goes on in verse nineteen. It says people from the Negev. Now Negev, do you have the south there? What does what does the ESV say? say uh, Negev. Negev literally means the south. Uh, people from the the south will occupy the mountains of Esau. People from the foothills will possess the land of the Philistines. In other words, God's people will be vindicated, and these enemies will eventually be done away with. They will occupy the fields of Ephraim and Samaria, and Benjamin will possess Gilead. Hmm. So. So, you know, Judah and Benjamin are the quote unquote good guys in this scenario, and they will eventually um, be able to possess these these other areas, uh, is the idea. So, go ahead and read verses 20 and 21, finish this up for us. Yeah. The exiles of this host of the people of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zarephath. Zarephath, yeah. And the exiles of Jerusalem who are in Safar, Safarid, Safarid. Uh-huh. shall possess the cities of the Negev. Uh, Savior shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. And the kingdom will ultimately be the Lord's. So the you know the idea is that that God's people are eventually going to prevail, and God is going to send. I like saviors or deliverers is is what uh, the the NIV says. There will go up to Mount Zion. So here's what I think it's pointing toward. Eventually, you know, it's it's talking about God's ultimate salvation. I think in Jesus, which takes place in Mount Zion, right? That's that's right. what all these point to uh, eventually. The, I'm going to show you one interesting thing here, I think, and this is kind of what I was I was holding out here. We'll, we'll see <laughs> see what uh-oh, you uh-oh, think. Uh-oh. You, you, you may have, have something you want to say. So it's Edom, right? The, this descendants of Esau who are who are being being criticized, and basically, even though it seems like that they are in charge now and everything's going well, that there is going to be a day where God's people are going to be the ultimate, where where Jacob, the house of Jacob or the house of Judah, however you want to put this, is going to be the one who's going to prevail on the holy hill. And uh, again, Obadiah is never quoted in the New Testament, but there is an image here, I think, that we that at least relates to Jesus, because here is Jesus uh, standing in in uh, contrast to Herod. Right, because Herod is the king, but he's an Edomite. He he's a descendant of Esau, right, in, in yeah. Jerusalem. And instead we have this king who who is a savior, a deliverer, yes. who will who will eventually be the one who takes Mount Zion. So in in a sense, there's an echo of this, we could say it, it points toward that that Jesus is going to be the one who ultimately prevails Over, uh, yeah. and and then that last line of Obadiah, and the kingdom will be Yahweh's. Literally, the kingdom will be the Lord's. It will belong to Him. Uh, he is the one who will who will have the ultimate, uh, ultimately prevail. I think is pointing toward, uh, you know, that's the ultimate fulfillment of this for us as God's people. And so, even a little book like Obadiah, I think, points toward again God's work being done. Sometimes in unexpected ways. Uh, sometimes in ways where we can't see the the complete fulfillment of it you know if you're thinking about Obadiah's day uh you, it might feel like as God's people you're being um 
uh, trampled underfoot. You're being neglected and, and being done wrong by your brother. Uh, but there's a time coming when God will will bring vindication and he will punish wrongdoing. Yeah, there's a, quite a bit of foreshadowing, not only of yeah. Edom in that time, but also right. to come with Jesus's, Jesus's, the, the, it's an echo, foreshadowing echo of yeah, Jesus sure. <laughs> coming, you know, and yeah. what Jesus does. Yeah, we could say, some would say a type, this is a type where we see, you know, the, 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 um, image of it uh, that then comes to comes to fruition as well so well yeah cool yeah so L- there little you go book like obadiah it's got some <laughs> fun stuff in there it's not just all judgment and pain yeah. most yeah. of the judgment pain. yeah there is also the promise side <laughs> of it there's also well. a verse at the end about a promise <laughs> so it is kind of interesting i was thinking about when we think about so that, so here are the books we have we have obadiah we have verses or second third john Mm-hmm. And which those are the ones that I've studied the most in my master's thesis on those books. Finally and then, uh, well, we have Jude, as I was mm-hmm. going to mention next, which is very similar to Second Peter. And then we have Philemon. We have this one book of Paul, this one letter of Paul written to an individual. You know, all of them are, are different in their own ways, but they all do carry a certain... Uh, <clears throat> If there was a common theme, I would say it is this idea of uh, uh, things being overturned and this idea of times of justice coming. Uh, but here's the interesting thing is uh, we will, you know, we, we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago, the beast uh, and 666, the mark of the beast yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the interesting thing is when we talk about the Antichrist, right, mm-hmm. we actually in this series, we'll get to talk about the Antichrist. Uh-oh. <laughs> we'll discern. So, so I'll give you something to look forward to and uh, and to think about. Uh, you know, it's the difference between... <clears throat> so after that, well, see if there's any other questions. I was going to say after that, uh, we had that <laughs> Mark of the Beast. Someone said, well, you know, it, it, it seems so simple now. Like, why, why can't people just see this i mean it makes makes sense and the problem is i think we we're looking culturally and, and it's, it's an overthrowing of our expectations again we have constructed this idea of who the antichrist quote unquote the antichrist is and how it fits in with revelation all this kind of stuff but that's something that's come later and been constructed and we pay more attention to that than what the text itself says but anyway it happens it happens <laughs> It happens. Something, something to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Brian, thanks. This is a great episode on uh, yeah. Obadiah, you know, one of those often just passed over books, but there's some good yes. stuff in there. Yeah. Lots happening. Good. All right. Well, we will see you. We will be back on Tuesday, maybe. The Lord to, willing. The, <laughs> the Lord willing, we'll be back on Tuesday. Don't rise. Yes. All right. Thanks, Brian. All right. See you. Thanks. Bye.